caution. What you are about to listen to could be dangerous for anyone wishing to live a normal, safe life at the end of a cheesy cul-de-sac. Back to Jerusalem podcasts are not made in sterile recording studios with professional DJs, but instead behind enemy lines with horrible acoustics, bad internet connections, and suspicious-looking coffee. Listening to Back to Jerusalem podcasts could include unwanted side effects like selling your house, leaving your boring job, and uncontrollable desires to speak strange foreign languages. So buckle up, strap in, and hold on, because this is Fast Train, baby, to all those places your mother warned you about. And now, for your host, the man known for having a radio face, Eugene Bach, coming to you live on delay in 5, 4, 3, 2... You know, I, I, I went to seminary. I had the opportunity to go and study, but it, it, it really, I, I don't feel that seminary really prepared me for the things that I'm doing today on the field. I think that oftentimes in the West we get hung up with the idea that I have to learn more, I have to study more, I have to have some sort of degree, I have to be able to regurgitate information, I have to be able to take an exam, I have to be certified by someone in order to authorize me to go forward and do great things for the kingdom, right? Sometimes I think our Western mind is is naturally geared that way because that is kind of the, the way that we prepare for most of of the trades and professions that we step into in life. And so I think that we oftentimes put um, uh, the calling of God in that same kind of box, that same kind of category. However, when I hear Chinese, very simple individuals without any education at all, and I'm talking about formal education, individuals that never went to high school, probably never went to middle school, never went to secondary school, individuals that are extremely simple, um, they, they're, they're a bit backwards because they come from very rural agrarian areas uh, they simply share their testimony and how the power of God moved in their lives and that has been the most effective tool I've, I've seen it done in many different ways I've seen it done in many different settings I've, I've heard many different testimonies Brother Yun, the testimony that he shares in the Heavenly Man book, that book has been really special. But honestly, in China, it's quite common. Uh, there's, there's nothing special about it in China. And so when you have these individuals that get up and they share their testimony, not from theory, not from theology, not from some exam, and they're just regurgitating information that they got from a professor somewhere, but really uh, uh, things that they've experienced in life that God has touched them in a very personal way uh, that I've, I've seen transform entire rooms inside of China. That, that's one. Two, in the, the fact that they, they have this common bond through persecution, uh, I, I think has been extremely effective uh, for, for bringing people together in a very raw, honest way, if that, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, yeah we, we were, we were, before you came on, we were reading about um, Paul and, and um, him identifying with Christ's suffering. And so uh, the, the concept of death always being the forefront of the missionary in those areas, especially what the areas you're talking about from China to Jerusalem, which is there's a lot of, obviously, ISIS uh, beheadings, there's a lot of um, uh, atrocities, even in North Korea. Um have you personally seen or uh, faced any of that kind of uh, persecution? 
Well, I mean, not to the extent that those in North Korea have, not to the extent that those in China have. I have, but it's 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 really child's play. I've been detained, I've been questioned, uh, but never at any time have I been in any serious uh, uh, serious situations where I felt my life was threatened. At no time did anybody threaten me with physical violence. I mean, I, I've been in, intimidated with with a, a arrest and uh, and detention. But outside of that, to be honest, uh, I, I carry an American passport that has kept me insulated for the most part uh, from a lot of the persecution that my brothers and sisters suffer on a on a regular basis. However, um, I, I do have to say that when I read, uh, when, I, when I go through and I'm reading from the, the writings of Paul, when I'm going through and I'm reading different parts, you know, it just just before I came on with you guys today, uh, I was I was I was reading from the book of Acts, and I and I have to say that there are, there are times where I'm looking at this and I'm like, do I really understand this? I mean, I've been here in in China, I've I've been working with the mission teams, I've been writing stories about the persecution and the persecuted church, uh, where, where I'm I'm often interviewing them, but. I, I think it's a bit uh, challenging for me to even uh, um, uh, understand not not so much about the persecution that they're going through, but the way that they see God. One of the amazing things about working in China is that we are seeing an indigenous church where missionaries were kicked out by Mao Zedong in 1949. So when the missionaries were kicked out of, of, of China in 1949, even though that seemed to be an absolute disaster for Christians around the world that were praying and focusing for China, they felt that this is the end of the Chinese church. When China opens up again, we'll have to start all over again from scratch. Having no clue that God had this amazing plan, not not so much that he 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 orchestrated, um, uh, you know, the persecution that the Chinese went through or ordained it in any way, but that he used what the enemy had planned for evil and destruction. He used it as a stepping stone to advance the church inside of China. And now we have this church inside of China that teaches me so many things about how to look at at, at God from the perspective of a, a person and a church that has been persecuted. Now, if I, if I can just uh, uh, share this for a moment, because when I read, when I was reading through the book of Acts and I was going through chapter 6 and chapter 7 today, uh, specifically about the story of Stephen, um, I, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to properly put this into words, so so forgive me. But I, I, I think that when I'm reading this, sometimes I feel like, okay, I've already read this, right? I, I already know what it's going to say. I already know what it's about. Uh, and, and I continue reading it. But th- today I was really hit with the idea that maybe I'm reading this with cultural eyes, cult, the, 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 the eyes of someone who has had the, 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 the very ideas of God shaped by my culture and by my society. Whereas the people from China, they haven't had that same experience. So their, what, their, their ideas of God, their ideas of Jesus, really have come out of one persecution and two, strictly what they've seen from the Bible in reading the Bible in complete ignorance. 
for me, I, you know, I, I got exposed to the Bible from a pastor sitting in church and, and, and listening. I became a Christian at the, at the age of 14. So from the age of 14, I've been attending church and going to church. But I think that there are some things that I have learned from others that others have wrongly learned, if that makes any sense. So what they wrongly learned, they wrongly, they, they rightly taught to me. And I rightly understood what they wrongly were taught. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you're, you're, you fully get that or not, but, but I think that as a humble Christian, I, I think as a humble Christian, we have to humble ourselves intellectually and spiritually and come to the place that maybe we don't really understand what it is that we're reading. What if what I've read and I thought I understood, I wrongly thought and wrongly understood. What if Christ has something new to teach me, but I can't hear it because I'm too proud in my own current understanding, which is wrong. And so as I was going through that, I, I, I really stopped and, and began to pray that, you know, Father, rip me from this secular cultural understanding of who Jesus is. And I beg, beg, beg the Holy Spirit to, to open up new ideas as I begin to read through the, this, this scripture in the book of Acts. Now, I don't know how much news you guys watch, but there's like these key words that are going through the U.S. right now, like this, this word safe space. The, you know, it, in university campuses right now, there, there's, this, there's these, these trigger words that hurt people's feelings. And so people are looking for safe spaces. And, and so these campuses have created what's called safe spaces where people cannot be exposed to anything that might hurt their feelings and so they're free from microaggressions and and i find that absolutely absurd when 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 you have individuals i believe that if you're if you're truly looking to stretch your horizons and expand your knowledge and challenge the 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 things that you think that you know if you're not willing to to expose yourself to things that might hurt your feelings then you might not you don't deserve the right to even be on a university campus in in, in my opinion but as i started to evaluate this idea of safe spaces you know and as it's as it's sweeping through the united states right now um i i have to ask myself have our churches become safe spaces have we insulated ourselves from the things that hurt our feelings or might hurt the feelings of those around us? Do, do we put our feelings before revelation? Are we willing to sacrifice revelation if it comes at the expense of our feelings? And, and what I mean by that is that it seems that there are these trigger warnings that are coming from society that are telling Christians what they, what they should think and what they should not think. And I think that we have, as a church, greatly accepted the world's view of who Jesus is. And, and as I'm reading through the book of Acts, I'm seeing actually um, words that are being used, not just by Jesus, but sometimes by the disciples that could be socially abrasive, that could, that, you know, that might not be, that, that may not sound so loving, they may not sound f friendly, but they're, but they're truth. And, um, and, I, and I've come to this conclusion, or, or at least 
sorry, maybe it's not a conclusion. I, like I said, this may not all come out right because this is kind of in the beginning stages of just kind of thinking through this when I was reading through the Bible today. But I'm sitting on a plane from Shanghai to Guilin and, um, and, and thinking about the time that I would be sharing with you guys today. And, uh, and, and I haven't lost you, have I? You're still there? Hello? Yes, can you, can you see us? Yes, okay, I can see you. Yeah, I just, I wanted to make sure that you could still hear me. Okay, uh, so... Yeah, we can hear you, but it's perfect. Um, and I, I just put you on mute so that um, there's no feedback. Okay. Uh, and... We're loving it. We're loving it. Keep going. Okay, great. So, so I've, I've, I've come to this, you know, uh, this, this area where I, I, I feel that uh, it's, it's not really a conclusive idea so much, but I feel that looking at this, our churches have become these type of safe spaces where, where uh, uh, it, people can feel like uh, certain things that may be uh, thought of as being offensive for the world around us won't be said that the, the the church has adopted the world's idea of who we should be instead of us a- adopting the, the the what Jesus has called us to be and and i it may sound a little harsh but i i think that i've come to the conclusion that anyone that requires a safe space in the kingdom cannot participate in the Great Commission and is exempt from sharing the suffering of Jesus because there are no safe spaces in the Bible and there are definitely no safe spaces on the mission field where Christ has called us to. And I believe it is that lack of safe space that leads us into areas that expose us to persecution. And and, and I get it. I get it. I understand that the Bible is full of love and grace and peace. And, and don't get me wrong, this is the central message of the gospel that Jesus gave to us, but I don't think it gives a rip about our feelings and how we feel about it. With the truth that God gave us is is truth, and and it doesn't really stop just because we might be hurt from that truth. That if our feelings are are hurt by the truth, that it's, it's not the Bible that needs to change to adjust to our feelings, but our feelings that need to adjust to the Bible and the truth of God's word. And, and, and we, we are seeing that, I think, uh, a little bit that, that this idea of, of um, uh, truth being a bit almost like this culturally homogenous uh, environment uh, where we have these theological prophylactics, if you will, that keep anything dangerous from leaving our mouth and going out into the world around us for fear that the, the world may be offended by what we have to say. And I think that there has become this idea where love has been confused, right? Where we say, okay, well, if you say that, you're not a very loving person. And Christ is about love. And the Bible's about love. So if you follow after Christ, then you must be about love. And that means that you need to accept these certain paradigms that the world has put on us as a church. But I think that we are confusing as a church, and I get this from China, and being exposed to China, the Chinese have really taught me that love is not the same as compromise. 
that love is willing to sacrifice. You are willing to sacrifice yourself. You're willing to give your life for others. That is true love. That even if it is rejected by what you're saying, you are willing to isolate yourself. You are willing to be a loner. You are willing to be by yourself for the love of others. And if Christ loved us and his love is in us, then we have that love for others as he has. We 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 are uh, vessels of his love. And and therefore we are willing to sacrifice ourselves for the the, the goodness of others. Whereas compromise Compromise is the opposite. It is not done out of love. It is done out of uh, um, self-preservation. It is this this idea that I want to remain comfortable. I don't want to hurt your feelings because I don't want to be ostracized from this community. I don't want to be removed from this society. I don't want to be rejected at my job. I don't want to be looked down upon among the academics in, in my university. And, and, and so we come to compromises that I think make us um, the, the uh, impotent in, in, in society. And, uh, and the reason I say that, and I, and I mainly charge the West, and I feel free to do so since that is my, my background, um, I, I feel that is one of the main reasons that egocentric, the egocentric gospel has taken on such a strong hold in our society. And as a result, um, uh, we haven't been sending out so many missionaries and missionary funds into the areas that need it the most. I we we often send missionaries into areas or we take mission trips, you know, where we can go and we can take some photos and we can we can uh you know put up bunny ears in our photos and then put it up on Facebook so that uh everybody can see how cool of a of a Christian we are and serving in really poor places. We show some pictures of some really destitute children uh that look really sad and, and make everybody feel you know have this bleeding heart for them but they're not really we're not really putting ourselves in danger at any given time we're not really putting ourselves at risk at any time and we're not really exposing anybody to the gospel for the very first time and so i i think that that has breeded a culture that has made us very weak and as a result we haven't been very mission-minded for the great commission which makes me so excited about being with the chinese on this side of the world right now. And when I was reading uh, Acts chapter 6 and 7, I, I'm, I'm looking at uh, Stephen specifically. And I, when I see Stephen, I realize that this story helps me, it helps me see God in a completely different way. Because the Sunday school that I grew up in says that when we, are, when we have the Holy Spirit coming down upon us, we, we are able to conquer, right? We have this idea of success. And, and we often equate success with finances and victory and safety and, and, and romance and love. And, and everything that can go right does go right. You know, that is the definition of success. But we see a very successful Stephen, but not in the way that we would probably categorize him as being successful in the West, 
we see the Holy Spirit come upon him. Now get this. When I was in, Holy, when I was in Sunday school, I, I'm sure you guys sing the same kind of songs. I'm not a singer, so forgive me. But we sing these songs like, you know, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. And then when I was a kid, I would say, you know, let God arise and his enemies be splattered. You know, that we would play on those words and, you know, and, and, and have fun with those songs. And, and, and the idea is that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're like David. You know, you, you, you kill the giant. You slay the giant. You're like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You go into the furnace and you're not burnt. But here we see Stephen used by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says that the Holy Spirit is upon him. And his enemies throw stones and he dies. That's not the way the Sunday school song goes. That's that's not the stories that I was told when I was a kid. That's not the victory, the great successes of being used by God and guided by the Holy Spirit. So what gospel is this? And, and when I look at the stories of every single disciple, and I'm not talking about this desire to be martyred. I'm not the, talking about this desire to live in poverty. I'm not talking about a desire to be ostracized. But I am talking about a certain sacrifice that I'm seeing in China today that I think is refreshing for us to at least acknowledge, see, and, under, and, and, and try to evaluate if is there anything that we can learn that we are missing in our own walk with Christ today. Is there anything from the persecuted church that we can uh, uh, learn that would enrich our own understanding of what it is that we are reading from the Bible? I, I believe that Ander, the answer is a resounding yes. I, I think that there are a, a smorgasbord of, of, of different information that we can pick and choose from that would enlighten our, our understanding of the gospel in ways that a hundred years of sitting in a boring theology class uh, in, in the middle of uh, 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 America um, in, in, a, in, a, in a liberal university setting would ever be able to teach me. Uh, that that that's that's my opinion anyway. It's the opinion of many people here too. Um, are there any questions that anyone here has for for Eugene? No questions. Are, are you fluent in Mandarin? Uh, again, Chris. Are you fluent in Mandarin? Yes, I I am fluent in Mandarin. Um, I am a flu- I am fluent enough to eat. So uh, that is the one of the most important aspects of my life here is uh, making sure that I can communicate to eat. I do preach in Mandarin. It's it's uh, it's obviously I have a very strong uh, accent. Uh, but yeah, I, I I communicate. I get around. Um, I'm not discussing Socrates in depth any day soon. But yeah, I I I live. I go long periods of time without speaking English. Uh, in, in my home, uh, uh, English is not always the, the, the main language that we use either. Um, so uh, m- in my home, you can usually hear Chinese, English, and Swedish used at any given time. Uh, Eugene, um, my name is Catherine. I'm Andre's wife. And, uh, you know, everything you were saying just hits home. And it, it, it speaks right to the heart of the issues in the Western world. And as a mom, I've got four kids in the room. You can see there's seven children here. And I wondered if what, what you would say to them, like, like 
if you were giving them Eugene's or, or the Chinese Church Sunday School version, what what would you say to the to the to, to the youth? They range in age from six to fourteen. Uh, well, it's it's actually interesting that if I just use the words of the Chinese, we have a Sunday school training program here in China. It's called the Dove program. Uh, it is the only or the first. I don't know. I would I would say the only, but I can't I can't you know verify that. But it's it's definitely the first Sunday school training program that was invented by the Underground House Church for the Underground House Church used in the Underground House Church. And what makes it different, and it's already, it's now been used to, we've, we've personally used it to train more than 30,000 Sunday school teacher trainers. It's been used to train more than uh, 300,000 Sunday school, Sunday school teachers. Um, the main and it's been used now around the world so it started in china it's been used in china it was the big focus was china but a lot of places like ethiopia cambodia vietnam even norway uh finland sweden have said hey guys we love this can we use this here and the the main thing about it is is that it is not it is not teaching the children as a way of setting up a babysitter program for the adults to learn the real stuff and the the children to kind of be pacified for an hour or two why the why the why the the parents are 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 getting fed um it's not a babysitting program. Um, it basically identifies that it helps the, the each person, regardless of age, to know that they've been called by God and they are being used by God. God has a place for them today, right now. That He He uh, has certain doors and 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 places that uh, only they have access to that maybe their parents do not have access to. Uh, those around them that are that are older may not have access to, and and. They they are able to share the gospel in a very unique way with individuals that are around them. I received the good news of Jesus Christ for the very first time when I was 14. I did not grow up in a Christian family, and um, I became a Christian when I was 14. I became a Christian because of a very pretty girl who talked me into going to church with her, and I was very much willing to go along with her because she, uh, I, I was infatuated. And it turned out that that relationship didn't last, but the one that she introduced me to by taking me to church lasted for a lifetime. Uh, in that in that uh, setting, I you know became a Christian. I was on uh, at the time I was on house arrest. I was I was not the best um, student. Uh, I had been I I had been put on probation. Um, so I was getting in trouble quite a bit. I was on a I was on a road that probably would not have led to a very good place. But at 14, another 14 year old led me to Christ, uh, probably unintentionally, but she still did it. And um, and and I think oftentimes we see that uh, we see children as being extensions of ourselves. And I don't think that that's necessarily the case, that they have been put in our, our, our care for a certain amount of time, but they are, they, God has no grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters, so they cannot receive salvation through their mother and father. If, if, if they think that they are saved because they grow up in a, in a Christian family and mom and dad are saved, therefore I, I am saved by osmosis, it's, it's, it's bullocks. It's not, ever, it's not happening. Um, they have to have their own experience with Jesus Christ. They have to have their own uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus 
Jesus Christ has put a calling on their life from the from the day that they were that, that they were uh, put together in the womb of, of the mother. They had a calling upon their life. And, and, and from the day that they're born until the day that they die, every single day in between, God has a calling. And the ultimate calling might actually be like Stephen, which was in his death. So I, I, I think that if if there's anything that I can share, it would be from this Dove program, which the Chinese share with the, the children as if they are missionaries. They are on a mission. Their job is to leave that Sunday school class or leave that, that uh, home Bible study and to go straight into ministry from there. Uh, I was talking to a lady that I, I shared the gospel with her from China, and I told her about the underground church, and she told me there is no such a thing as the underground church in China anymore. Um, everyone is free to, to be a Christian if they want to. There is no persecution of the church. And so I was like, what, really? And it's like, Okay, I don't know if you can hear me, but I'm not able to hear you any longer. Can you repeat Yeah, Rebecca was asking was, um, she's, she has a friend from China. She says that no longer is there persecution in China. There's freedom in China. There used to be the underground churches when the box were banned, like back in the day. But now there's freedom to, to, to worship as you want to. What is your response? I'm assuming it's not true, but... What's the response? Well, the, the response is everything is true in China at some point. It uh, depends on where you're at and, and, and when you're there. China is this huge country. I, I mean, it's, it's massive geographically. Um, I mean, you can live in one province, Xinjiang province, and you can have two people from the same province and still be more than 2,500 miles away. It's kind of deceptively large, a bit like Canada. Um, but the, the, the uh, number of people that you have, of course, is, is, is massive. So 1.3 to 1.5 billion people, that, that margin of error, that 0.3 to 0.5, that, that means that they don't even know if they have an America or not. Uh, that it's like over 200,000, 300,000 people, uh, that they, that, I mean, you have this massive number of people that are living inside of China. So everything could be possibly true at some time or another. The thing is, is that, um, the, there, you have the official church in China, then you have the unofficial church in China. And when we refer to the underground house church, we are talking about the, the unregistered church inside of China and not everybody is aware or has, uh, come in contact with the underground church in China. Now, what I would say to those individuals is, uh, or I don't know if I would say anything, uh, just share with them the, the events that are taking place. Uh, there's no reason to argue with anybody. It's not worth arguing with anybody over it. It exists. The Underground House Church, not only does it exist, it is the largest body of believers in China. The official church is going through a revival of its own. They are seeing many people come to Christ in the official three self church of China. I work together with them. 
but I also work together with the unofficial, the unregistered church, the underground house churches. And that's where we are seeing by far the largest revival inside of China. They're the ones that are multiplying the fastest. Um, um, just last month, the end of last month, I believe is April 24th. Don't hold me to those dates. But um, uh, the, the, the um, uh, President Xi of China uh, brought together the leaders in Beijing and basically said that we need to stop the, the growth of foreign infiltration of religion and go back to our communist roots. This is having a big impact on persecution, the, the, the rise of persecution again. I just came from Shanghai this afternoon. Shanghai had about 10 years where we were seeing this gradual increase of things opening up, getting more free, getting more open. Young people from Guangzhou, Shenzhen, Shanghai, Beijing, they would probably say, you know what? We don't have persecution. We have freedom. Uh, and the reason they would say that is because they haven't really been involved in any sort of outreach or missions or evangelism. Um, so they've only understood the official line. However, this for the last 12, 24 months, we've seen the first kind of persecution taking place in Wenzhou, Shenzhen, Shanghai that we've seen uh, more now than in the last 10 years. Uh, and what President Xi has said has greatly impacted the local leaders around China. Several thousand crosses have been ripped down from official churches, churches that have been officially registered. There's one church in Wenzhou that was allowed to be built. It was established, has 10,000 members. It was destroyed, leveled, uh, torn down to the ground. There's another church. I was just in on, on the 14th of April. I was in a place called Hunan province in Nanyang, Brother Yun, the heavenly man's hometown. The next village over was a place called Jumadian. Jumadian had a church where the government sent a bulldozer to destroy it. The pastor and his wife stood in front of the bulldozer. The bulldozer driver was told by the official, bury them alive. I'll take responsibility for their life. Both the pastor and his wife, this wasn't 1990s this wasn't in the 1950s this was uh, last or now we're in june so it was in april uh april 14th so just a month and a half ago so april 14th uh both the pastor and his wife were buried alive the pastor was able to claw his way out and, and save himself his wife not so fortunate she was she was killed. She was buried alive. Um, so that has pushed the underground church, which was thinking about registering for the very first time. Not all the leaders, but if you listen to our podcast, uh, we had shared that uh, last year in November, we brought the top leaders uh, together at meetings in Hainan province. And they had announced that they because they were. They were asked to come and meet with the president for the very first time in history. They went and they met with the president, the president of China, President Xi, and um, um, they had been offered to register as churches and operate legally. And they were looking at doing that. And they actually announced in November of last year that they were going to do that. Now they've backed away from that. The, the, uh, the underground church doesn't have a website they don't advertise where their meetings are. They, they, they don't have um, Brother Yun Ministries 
inside of China, you know, with his name and neon lights where people know where to go. He doesn't, um, uh, he doesn't, there's not people like that that have ministries named after them. Um, so it's, it, 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 the underground church is growing, it's thriving, but it's just that it is underground. It is. And by underground, we mean that it's unregistered. It doesn't mean they're ashamed of the gospel. It doesn't mean that they're hiding the fact that they're Christian. It's actually just the opposite. They're, they're very aggressively evangelizing and sharing. They just don't do it in any way that we would consider to be, um, uh, like our official churches in the West. Is there persecution against Christians today? Absolutely. Are there areas that have less persecution than before? Yes, there are. But the majority of the church in China today, the majority of the Christians in China today are a part of the underground house church, not a part of the official church. Okay, thank you. I just have a question. So I'm going to wrap this up quickly, um, um, Eugene. My question I have is how can we help... um, um, I'm thinking of two things. One is, um, you know, North America, you know, it's not easy, very easy to go to certain places and just, you can, I suppose, and get things thrown at, like go to the main intersection of some street and, and then go and preach there. But sometimes that's not the most effective. Uh, sometimes the most effective is actually just walking around praying for people. And then they, they see the power of God and then they ask questions and then you can uh, lead them to the Lord. Um, and what you were saying was um, what they do in China is they go out and they give their testimonies of what happened to them and how they came to the Lord, and many people come to the Lord by hearing their testimonies. But having those things in mind, what can we do in Canada? Um, Thoughts? Well, I I mean, I think that in the U.S., one of the things I had to strip my – and when I say the U.S., I mean the U.S. and Canada. I mean basically the same kind of uh, uh, culture, same kind of the you know Greek type of thinking. Um, uh, One of the things that I had to really do for myself, and I think one of the things that really helped me to understand a lot more, was stripping my mind of the dichotomy that we have put on ourselves of the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what I mean by dichotomy is that we have somehow come to the conclusion that there's this separation of church and state. There's a separation of work life and church life. There's a separation of social life and church life. There's this, for instance, when I go home and I and, and and I have a meal and I start talking about the how my day went, it's not uncommon for my wife to say no, no, no talking about work at the table. You know that 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 kind of idea, that doesn't exist in China. Uh, you work and you live and you minister and your friendships and your family relations. Everything is kind of mixed up in this in this pot in this in this big soup. Um, for, for the, um, for the Western mindset, I think that we like to have things categorized and very cleanly. So, uh, where, you know, when I go to work, I have this work mindset. When I'm on vacation, I have this vacation mindset. When I'm with my family, I have this family mindset. And, and, and in order to be successful as a family man, and in order to be successful as a businessman, and in order to be acceptable or successful as a ministry person, I have to separate those things. And therefore, ministry takes place primarily 
within the, the confines of a brick and mortar building. That, that which we've called church, which is not really church at all. Church is not a geographical location. It, it, is, it is not this brick and mortar facility. And because we've got caught up in this idea of church being this noun, being this geographical location, that is where the majority of our ministry takes place. And if we do ministry outside of this location that we call church, then it has to be deliberate, meaning that we have to have a strategy. We, 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 we have to move with, with an emphasis, and then we do that for a little bit, but we get tired, right? So then we have to take a break, and we retreat back home, and that's where we relaxed, and we, we, we have a beer with our friends and a cookout with our family, but that doesn't really involve ministry because that's not the intentional goal that we had when we left that brick and mortar facility. If uh, one of the things that the Chinese have taught me is to remove this dichotomy, that um, if we are to really be used by God, we have to be vulnerable to be used anywhere and everywhere. We, um, uh, Brother Yun, well, I just give him as a really quick example. Um, when I travel with him to any restaurant, it is the most uncomfortable feeling you've ever experienced. When, when I travel with him, I request, because he doesn't speak any English, um, I request that we get to sit at different parts of the airplane because he cannot sit beside people without ministering. And I shut down. I want to sleep on the airplane. I don't want to be bothered with ministry. I don't want to hear about, you know, uh, uh, somebody singing uh, uh, some song in really bad uh, uh, Chinese English and, and trying to share with a person. I want to be lazy. I want to be selfish. I want to, I want to be apart from that. I want to eat my meal at the restaurant. And Brother Yun isn't like that. He wants to share with people everywhere that he's at and so he doesn't actually shut down he doesn't turn off because it's a part of who he is and I think that is my main weakness I think that is our weakness sometimes in the West is that we have this dichotomy where we separate the gospel from different parts of our life and we make it impotent from from having a real impact when it could I think times when we when we are purposeful doing purposefully doing ministry we we may not actually be as effective as we are when we are accidentally doing ministry. I mean, we see when Paul shares about the, 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 when, when, when he goes to, um, uh, Athens, probably one of his most notable sermons, the, the, the sermon on the Mount of Mars on Mars Hill, when he, he's actually waiting on his friends. If you read in the book of Acts where he's, 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 he's getting ready to, uh, uh, he, he didn't want to do ministry. He got kicked out of the area where he was at in, in the northern part of Macedonia. He comes down there and he's waiting for his friends to come and join him. He's not ready to do ministry, but he takes the opportunity to share with the people about the unknown God. Completely opportunistic. And I think that that's the way that we have to live our lives. It just... If we are to learn anything from the Chinese, maybe that might be one nugget. Now, um, that's amazing. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, is there any way we can help back to Jerusalem ministry? I know the finances. I get it. We can pray um, because we go into that and we can see all the different projects that you're involved in. We can. But is there any other way besides that that I may be missing? Yeah, you know, uh, right now, to be honest, <clears throat> uh, when it comes to uh, finances, 
I truly believe that we have all the finances that we need to be able to do the task that God has given to us. So we already have that. I know a lot of ministries that may be like suicidal words, but to be honest, we, so many people are blessing us more than, more than what we could ever imagine. So we are very thankful for that. However, one of the things that we need more than anything are people. If if we have people that are willing to come over here to China, where I'm at right now, and sorry, sorry um, John, um, Aiden, can you mute yourself, please? So sorry, carry on, Eugene. Yeah, so if we could have, if there are people that want to come and serve on the field together with the Chinese. We need them more now than ever. The, the, when, when we talk about the Back to Jerusalem vision and, and the Chinese leaving China and going to the, the area between China and Jerusalem, it is not an outsourcing of the good news. It's not an outsourcing of the Great Commission. We didn't find cheap labor and we're like, woohoo, now we get to send people to the places we don't want to go to for a really cheap price. But it's, 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 it's exciting because now we have people that are willing to serve on the field together with us. A brother in arms, sisters in arms that are willing to be in the trenches of warfare, fighting side by side. And if there are individuals that are willing to come for short amounts of time, and I'm talking about like uh, one month, three months, six months, or a lifetime, we can use them over here on the field. Um, just here in Guilin, uh, also in Shanghai, we need uh, English teachers at the missionary training schools. Um, we are doing Right now, our biggest need, and we're working in northern Iraq. I'm in northern Iraq about once a month. Uh, we have a, a, a place that we call a safe house, much different than safe, safe zones in college campuses in America, but we call it safe houses. And the safe house that we have are women that have been raped in the most brutal ways by ISIS and have been able to escape. And now they're rejected by their families and they're rejected by their societies. And we give them a place where they can come and get counseling that we can we were able to give them training and skills and then invest in their lives with business we need older women that might be retired or widowed or singled that are willing to come and be a house mother for these women and, be, and when i say women i'm using that very uh, very liberally many of these women that have been raped and abused for the last year or two and have made it into safety they're as young as 11 years old taken when they were 9 and 10 uh, abused in some of the most horrible ways that that you can imagine i i would not even feel comfortable describing um we we have a book that will be coming out this fall uh that that talks about the the individuals and their stories that we're working with both from mosul and from the yazidi area where the christians and the yazidis were were persecuted by uh isis and the area where we're working we desperately need volunteers to come and serve with us there even if it takes just a a vision trip to come and join us uh to kind of get exposed to it we welcome you come and join us see how you can help the best way to serve is on the field together with the chinese the cool thing is nobody's getting mad at us for competing there's no denominations working in our areas there's no ministries that have like peed on a tree and said this is our area you can't work here um so it's all open completely open for um new individuals that have a calling to come and serve okay that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Now, uh, Eugene, uh, thanks so much for your time. Um, really appreciate all the counsel and, and sharing with us. And even now it's half past 11 at who you are. Uh, could you pray for us 
as a as a church um, uh, body. Um, and I, I agree with you that the church is not a building; it's, it's us, it's us individually. Um, now, is there anything that you need prayer for specifically? Yeah, I mean, just just being just being here in in China specifically right now. Um, I am in a place here in Guilin where we have. Uh, 16 back to Jerusalem missionaries that graduate tomorrow. So I've come in for their graduation ceremony and, uh, basically, um, they will go from here to a training center in the Philippines. Uh, each one of them, I pray that you keep them in your, in your heart. Um, we have a back to Jerusalem prayer bear, uh, on online. We use that for, for children. Uh, if you guys have children that you could get this bear to, if you come to any of our meetings, by the way, we give the bear for free. Um, and the only thing that we ask is that the children put this on their bed and may it be a reminder for the children and their families to pray for the Chinese as well as the missionaries serving in the darkest areas of the world. If you're going to pray, pray for, pray for, uh, these guys that are graduating here where, where I'm at, um, pray that, you know, God use them in the most effective way possible and, and may they just cause a lot of trouble for uh, the kingdom of hell and every single location that they go to bringing light to those that desperately desire it. And for those that are hungry, uh, and, and are suffering injustice on a regular basis, may we bring the good news of Jesus Christ to bring them freedom for the very first time. Pray, pray for that. Amen. Thank you. Now, can you pray for us, Eugene? Uh, yes, I, I, I can attempt to. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, for my brothers and sisters who are in Canada, help in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, thank you Eugene. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. It was great um, meeting you guys virtually. Uh, uh, I, I hope that I, I didn't, uh, go off on some, uh, rampage monologue for too long, uh, and discourage you guys from at least, uh, trying to engage us in the future. We would love to, uh, build a relationship. So God bless you guys. And thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you very much. So that was a uh, podcast that we did live. It was a Skype church or a, a Skype a Bible study. They meet together on Saturday mornings, which was a first for me. Now, I've never really done that before, but it it, it really does um, draw me to, uh, you know, at least propose that to others, that if there is a desire, if you have a home group, if you have a Bible study and you want somebody from B to J to join that Bible study, we don't have to fly there. You don't have to pay for um, uh, someone to, uh, you know, everybody in your home study to fly out to China. We can actually engage uh, your Bible study just um, on Skype. I mean, we're not living in the early 1900s. We can we can uh, use the advancements of technology to be able to join your Bible study and 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 share with your Bible study about what God is doing on the field today. We can give you updates. Like today, I I shared. I didn't give them much of an update. I I, I basically shared uh, from the Bible what I felt that God had been speaking to me just on this day. But um, 
for those that want to have updates from the field in the Bible studies, if you, if if your group, if your church, if if you have as a family are are supporting Back to Jerusalem, and you want to bring people together and you want to learn more, we would be more than happy to join you in a Skype Bible study setting. So um, yeah, write to us. Let us know that you want to do it. Let's set up a time. Let's do this. Uh, we would be more than happy to the more information that we can share with people, the better, the more we can share about the good news of Jesus Christ and what God is doing on the mission field, the the better. Why? Because we believe I'm a true believer that truth does not need protection. I'm a true believer that that sunshine is sanitation, that it brings in, um, uh, it chases out the darkness. And so if, if we are able to share with you about what God is doing, it might excite you. That truth might break the, 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 the kind of, uh, veil that might, the society around you might have put on your eyes where you're not actually seeing what God is doing today. The move that God is doing today. It's very easy to get caught up in the news where we see bad news in Iran, bad news in Iraq, bad news in North Korea, bad news in Sudan. Everywhere we look, there's bad, bad news. And uh, my goodness, it looks like, you know, uh, there's no way I would ever want to go there because Jesus is coming any day soon. I'm just going to stay here with my family where it's nice and safe until God comes back and saves me. That is the, not the strategy Christ gave to us. That is not the uh, Great Commission. That has nothing to do with the Great Commission. So by sharing the stories that are taking place on the field, the testimonies of victory, the, the testimonies of, of vibrant revivals that are taking place. I believe that can change your, uh, your perception of what's taking place, what is happening in those areas where there's so much bad news. And that truth of Jesus at, at moving today in places like China, North Korea, Iran, Iraq, that the truth of God's spirit moving, we pray that it would shake the foundations of everyone that comes in contact with these testimonies where to the point where they can't help but to be jealous and want to be a part of it, that they want to join together with the Chinese and stand shoulder to shoulder with them, hand in hand, uh, going across the enemy's territory between China and Jerusalem. Thank you so much for joining us for this Back to Jerusalem podcast. This has been an odd one, I know, but uh, we are so glad that you are a part of uh, the ministry that the Chinese are doing. We're so glad that you joined us for this podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach coming to you live from somewhere within the borders of China. God bless you. There's a simple way for us to help ISIS victims drink tea. It's that simple by drinking a cup of back to Jerusalem, Chinese tea. You will bring hope to the refugees displaced by ISIS. It is a healthy way to make a difference. So invite friends and family to your home for a Bible study round a warm pot of organic Chinese tea. Does your church have a cafe? Add Back to Jerusalem tea to the menu. All profits go to help ISIS victims in Iraq and Syria. My name is Jung. And I am an unashamed follower of Jesus Christ. It is considered quite dangerous for me to share the contents of this book. 
but these are stories that need to be told for God's glory and the encouragement of the church. So begins the extraordinary first-person account of a prominent leader of one of the largest underground churches in China. This dramatic true story is told in Back to Jerusalem's latest book, I Stand with Christ by Eugene Bach. I Stand with Christ is a detailed account about a former Communist Party member who took a stand for his faith in Jesus and was targeted for prison, work camps, and torture. See how he goes from the prison cell of China's maximum security prison to leading one of the largest underground house churches of 10 million believers. Be amazed at this true story of suffering, sacrifice, and triumph. I Stand With Christ is available at www.backtojerusalem.com or where books are sold.